This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 179 of the Laravel News Podcast. We are back and up and running. We had a little bit of a technical technical difficulty mm. getting mm. started, but uh, it's just the ghosts working uh, working their magic here on Halloween over in the U.S. Yeah, is. exactly. So we had a fun Halloween over here tonight. We had some friends over, had a little fire out in the driveway, got to pass out some candy. The kids went around the neighborhood and Got lots of candy, so tons and tons and tons of it. So nice. they were uh, wired all evening and just finally got them <laughs> to sleep. So it is time to record. So I'm still getting a little bit of weird stuff in the background here, but I'm just going to let it kind of play out. Skype is trying to uh, reconnect an old phone call. So doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> onwards and upwards, we are going to be talking about some releases. we got some news to share with you, some packages, and of course, some tutorials here on the podcast. Uh, but before we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to our longtime sponsor, Honey Badger. Honey Badger is error monitoring and tracking for your Laravel applications, as well as all your other applications, not running Laravel, running any other language you got. They've got all sorts of uh, SDKs and plugins you can use for your language of choice, but we love them because they love Laravel and they love the show. So thanks so much for sponsoring Honey Badger. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Uh, let's get into the releases, shall we? Michael, Laravel 9.36. You want to take that one? 9.36. We're going to make Laravel blazing fast. First up, Nuno Maduro contributed an optimization to improve Blade component performance. Uh, if you want to get into the nitty and gritty of that, I suggest you check out pull request number 4487 to get the full details of the improvements with examples. But in summary, the description includes some rough estimates on the enhancements. For example, Anonymous co- components are now up to 52% faster. Class view components are now up to 39% faster. Inline components, sorry, class inline components. So these are the ones where you've got the render method directly in your component mm-hmm. are yep. up to 92% faster. Dynamic components that render anonymous components are up to 72% faster. And dynamic components that render inline class components are up to 83% faster. Dang. So massive kudos to Nuno and everyone involved in making this update possible. Not like, were, not like they were slow forever. before, you know? But. No. I think the the issue with the components is when you get into like hundreds or thousands of them on a page, and it's quite easy in, in situations where you're like rendering a list and a list is made up of like subcomponents. Mm, sure. Um, yeah. and, and I've run into this issue before with some stuff that I've been working on recently where I've got like a grid on the screen to, to represent data points. And it's just like a CSS grid, but each one of those things is a component and the component is then responsible for figuring out, you know, what color it should be, what attributes uh, are presented on it, renders the the title and things like that. And so I ended up with 5,000 of these on a page. And so having that many components on there can be quite slow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to to check this out to see how, how that improves that page. So like it wasn't, when I say slow, it was like a second or two. So perceivably slow, but it's not like it was taking 30 seconds. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, how this goes as you scale up. Definitely, definitely keen to check that out. Thanks, Nuno, for that one. Next up, Andrew Minion contributed mailable assertions to improve the ease of testing mailable classes. So we've got new assert has to, assert has CC, has nice. VCC, has reply to, 
has from, has tag, has metadata. These are all available on the mailable class. Uh, so definitely check that out. That'll make testing those things a little bit nicer. Following on for more testing content, Tim McDonald contributed a new assert content method that adds some syntactic sugar to assert the content of a test response. So previously, you'd have to do something like this, assert same, and then you'd pass two parameters. The first is the expected, so foobar, and the second you'd call response arrow content. Now you can call response arrow assert content foobar directly. So just, you know, those little syntactic sugar things, those little quality of life improvements that we love so much. Um, and last from this release, Pavel Panziga, Panziga contributed the ability to specify the verbosity level for alert boxes. The pull request description illustrates how this feature works, but in essence, you can do this alert um, and pass as the second parameter VVV or no second parameter at all, or you could pass quiet. So this is in your uh, console alert. I was I was just looking. I was like, wait a second, where is that? At? Okay, yeah, consoles. Yeah, yeah. So this the the verbosity is you know if in in your console the commands, VVV you can gave pass it away like dash V like, yeah, or dash right. VV or dash VVV. Right. Um. So if you need to get more verbose output, you know, you, you it, it's effectively like having debug logging, where it's only available if you've got that level set. So you could say like the default output from your command is just to show success and it might try catch things. Dash V might, you know, spit out an alert in in the catch so that you've got more context and things like that. So this is useful for all kinds of different reasons, but thanks to Pavel for that. Uh, that's all that we've got for Laravel 9.36. As always, we'll have links to all of the changes in the show notes. Excellent. And speaking of verbose rendering out in your console, uh, in 9.37, we've got verbose view caching. So Andrew Brown contributed the ability to pass, da- pass dash V uh, to the view cache artisan command to output the directories that the command is looking into. And then you can type dash VV to see every file within those directories that the command caches. So if you say PHP artisan view cache dash VV, you'll get a really beautiful output thanks to uh, the newly redone artisan console commands. Uh, It looks really, really pretty, but it shows you all the directories and then it shows you all of the views inside of those directories that are getting uh, rendered and cached. So uh, that's PHP artisan view colon cache dash VV. So what I'm wondering what the V stands for. V is verbose. VV is very verbose. And then VVV is very, 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 very verbose. verbose. I don't know if that's what it stands for. I don't know. Like, I don't think you look at it in terms of you know, verbose and very verbose. I mean, that's effectively what it is, but it's more like the level of verbosity, you know, one level of verbosity, two levels, three levels, whatever. Sure. And like, and if you're not sure, you can just do like dash V, 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 V and, and, you know, get what you get. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. In addition to that, we've got handlers for silently discarded and missing attributes. So Aaron Francis contributed that contributed this, uh, which is the ability to register handlers for silently discarded and missing attributes, uh, strict mode violations. So this was recently introduced where we have this idea of strict mode where it does disabling of like uh, eager loading. It um, mm. stops uh, you being able to, or is that where it's- uh, Lazy loading. The lazy loading, but it also has um, like fillable attribute sort of stuff, right? It's sort right. of, it, it handles all that stuff, whatever. And in this case, basically what you could do is on a per model basis, or maybe not per model, just says model colon colon. So I'm assuming maybe okay. that's actually at the top level. Just this is for eloquent. Yep. Yeah. So this for is something that exactly. you dump in your uh, service, app service provider. Yep. At the top level. Yeah. And your boot method probably. So handle missing attribute violations using you pass a closure, which takes a model and a key. So then you can handle that however you want. You can log it out. You could, um, I don't know, 
message yourself in Slack. You could do, I don't know, you could do a whole bunch of, you could do whatever yeah. you want, whatever you want in there. And then same thing for handle discarded attribute violations using, and then ex- same deal. So you just pass a uh, closure in there and away you go. All right. In addition to that, we've got another closure based item here, passing a closure for the rescue report parameter. 4MTHAN contributed passing a callable as the report parameter when using rescue. So rescue is a helper function that you might not be aware of, but basically what you can do with rescue is you can attempt to do something as the first argument. And then as a second argument here, uh, it looks like you can, for me, what I've always um, done with this one is you have a function that gets called. And then I think as a second argument, you can say what should happen if it fails, right? So you have a closure that can happen in the case that it fails, you basically have a rescue function. And then as the third one is what happens um, as far as like how it should be reported. So report can be true or false. Uh, I think typically it's false by default. So it doesn't actually report up to your error handling. But in this case, now you can add a closure as the third parameter as well. So you could determine whether you want to report this error to your error handling service. Um, So you pass a function, you get the exception, the throwable exception as uh, a parameter there. And then you can determine whether you want to uh, report that thing or not. So in this case, maybe you'd say based on the type of exception you get, you might want to report it uh, or you might not want to, right? So if it's a known exception that you're throwing, you could say, nah, I'm not interested in reporting it. But if it's a unknown exception, maybe it's just a generic throwable, right? Mm-hmm. Then you'd say, okay, well, let's go ahead and report that because I'm not exactly sure why that was failing. Um, yeah, so might be useful in scenarios where you're making requests to third-party APIs where yeah. you get like a request timeout and you may not necessarily care about the timeout. You know, sometimes the API just doesn't, you've done this with your 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 phone system. Yes. Like sometimes yep. the API just doesn't respond. Yeah, so right. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily care, you know, we'll just try again in a minute kind of totally. thing. So, yeah. And so basically the rescue function is like a, is a shortcut for a try catch. And then, you know, so instead of having to do try mm. this and then catch this exception, and then when that happens, you know, uh, rescue it this way by running this additional function, you can wrap all that in just a little rescue helper. Your first function, your first closure that you pass is just, here's what you should try. Your second function is here's what you should do if it fails. And then the third function now is how should we handle reporting this? Should we report it or not? And it's just going to return a truthy, um, you know, like Boolean, whether or not it should report or not, true or false. Uh, but previously, mm-hmm. it was only able to be uh, accepting a Boolean, but now it can also accept a closure. So there you go. Okay, uh, Tim McDonald, again, the, on the McDonald train over here, contributed preloading of assets required for the current page load with Vite. It is now the default behavior for Laravel applications using Vite. The details of how this works are really sort of difficult to describe. And so I would suggest you look at pull request number 44096. You can learn more about the general concepts behind preloading critical assets to improve loading speed by following the link in the show notes, which we will provide as well. Uh, Lito contributed a raw value method to get a value from a SQL expression. So there's a couple examples here. And it looks like what you can do is instead of having to grab the value out after the fact, it looks like this is almost like a select statement. Like instead of having to do select raw, you can say trip model, order by, and then it says raw value, year, date, at. So this basically allows you to use SQL functions inside of inside of like a eloquent 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inside of a fluent string. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's the word I was looking for. I couldn't find fluent fluent chain. I told my wife today, I was like, I'm pretty sure I might have a head injury. (laughs) Yesterday I was playing basketball and I'm, I almost blew out my knee, which I knew you would appreciate. I was like, uh, I, I was, I was convinced I tore something. I hit the ground mm. hard, mm. man. I, mm. it like locked up and it went the wrong way. And I was like, for sure, I'm not going to be able to walk in this thing. So I'm walking out of today, which I was glad about. But before that, just before that, I got elbowed in the side of the head, super hard, but I still got a <laughs> bump on the side of my head. And three times today, three times I have been trying to think of somebody's last name, like people that I know very well that I interact with, like, mm. m- like multiple, multiple times a week. And I, could not i i had to like there was the one it was like the guy's name is let's call him matt smith and i was like matt and i'm like having a conversation with someone like matt um and i had to like in my brain think through like his wife's and his wife and kids names hoping that one of their names would jog my memory as to what his last name was I was like oh smith matt smith and the guy who i'm talking to like we both know this guy is like i mean you've got to you've known this guy for like 15 years how could you not remember his last name <laughs> three times that's happened to me today so the reason yeah, the, the fact keep, that keep an eye on that I know the fact that I couldn't remember the word fluent is uh mm. <sighs> anyway so this yeah, is this is pretty cool definitely keep an eye on that yeah yeah for sure so like previously what you should have to do is something like this is if you needed to select the date at field you would get out a carbon instance and then you'd have to say okay give me the format y right and give me the year but now you can just if you have if you know there's a SQL method or function or whatever you want to call it that you can use um you can still use your eloquent model, but then you can just as a, at the end, raw value, and then put in the little SQL statement there and um, gain some of the benefits of SQL without having to kick out to like DB select raw sort of deal. So it's nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, they also get, oh, this is a cool example too. Like using concat. Um, so they have user model where ID is this and then raw value concat first name, last name, right? Ah, that's interesting. Really interesting. Okay. I can think of some interesting use cases for that where uh, I need um, yeah. I need some of those values out of there just using some some quick uh, MySQL stuff. I can think specifically... Yeah, definitely, like, definitely places where I do this a lot. You yeah. know, Concatenation's a place where I do it a fair bit. Um, some stuff that I've been working on, just like a side throwaway like some, thing. Like some date diff yeah. stuff too, actually. I, I think about mm-hmm. like that's really handy. Um, See like this date diff it by take off this much time or whatever it's just handy to, to be able to do that straight in the query instead of having to pull it out and then do it in a separate separate thing so yeah there we go that's 9.37 of course you can find all of these items in the show notes as well let's move on to the news mm. don't don't have any official articles here but there are two things that i wanted to talk about i just saw another one the first one just in time for the spooky season this came out i think friday uh laravel forge now has a new dark mode it is. I, I, I was surprised by that the other day. I was like, wait a second. Mm. So for those of you people who enjoy dark mode, you now have dark mode on Forge. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we just wanted to touch on, and I'm sure there will be loads more information about this in the coming months, is Taylor tweeted about initial thoughts for Laracon 2023. He's thinking Nashville in the US, of course, uh, a four to 500 person venue and April or May of 2023. So it's going to be a bit earlier than it has been previously. It's been like July that these uh, Laracon US's have taken place, but uh, April, May is when when they're targeting. So definitely, if you're not following Taylor, which I find highly unlikely, <laughs> um, if you're listening to this podcast, you're almost definitely following Taylor on Twitter. Uh, keep tabs on that, of course. If 
if and when more information comes to light, then we will certainly have more details for you on the podcast. Only thing that comes to mind with this one is PHP Tech, which is in Chicago this year, May 15th and 16th, is mm. also sort of around that day. So I'm curious. I don't know. I mean, I doubt. I don't know. Maybe they'll be on the same timeline. I don't know. He was just asking what days work for people best too. So I'm sure he's just he's just figuring all this out. I, I messaged him today. Actually, he was like, dude, four or 500 people. These are going to be like Black Friday sort of style. Like if I miss it, for like if I don't see the tweet, I'm yeah. going to be like, crap, go out and like no tickets left. So uh, I think it'll be okay. I'm like keep my eyes peeled. Heaps of people go to the conference like funded by their companies, and you know what that's like. There's there's uh, approval processes and budgets and things like that. If you're, but you, I mean, you're one of those people, I suppose, that gets the company to pay for it instead of paying for it yourself. So yeah, I mean, there's there's always, you know, doesn't doesn't matter how big the the conference is. You know, Laracon EU before COVID was you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred people or something like that. And even that, you know, th- think there's 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 have to be millions of people, millions of developers using Laravel, right? So yeah. there's always gonna be the people people that miss out, unfortunately. But to those of you who are fortunate enough to get tickets, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic event as always. You know, we've got three years to make up for. So exactly enjoy if you if you do make it. Yep. So um Nashville sounds like fun. It's actually sort of uh, funny. I have like, man, two or three conferences in Nashville this year. I have one in Mm -hmm. January. I have another one in, I mean, maybe this one in May. And then there's another one uh, later in the year, I think, that'll be a part of Mm -hmm. Nashville. It's just funny. Like of all the years, like they're all going to fall in Nashville on the same year. I'd be so sick of Nashville by the time the 2023 is over. It's a lot of hot chicken. chicken. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Hey, uh, speaking of hot chicken, uh, Honey Badger is back to sponsor our show. So let's face it, your code's going to have errors, right? Even code written by amazing developers such as yourself, Mr. Dorinda. And when errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into one single easy-to-use platform. They're going to send you alerts uh, real time with all the context that you need to see what's causing the error and where that error is hiding so you can fix that error and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Uh, There was a Titan post about uh, missing queue workers that you could integrate here with Honey Badger as well, which would be excellent. Uh, If you uh, would like to find out more about Honey Badger, you can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrapped monitoring solution. Why does it matter so much that it's bootstrapped? This is why. Self-funding means they only answer to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord. So they get to build what they want as developers rather than uh, what's going to optimize for investors. So we love Honey Badger. They've been sponsoring the show for a long time, but it is an amazing product. Uh, they've got a great SDK, so you can integrate with them super easily and get started right away at honeybadger.io. Thanks, Honey Badger. Excellent. Thank you, Honey Badger. Let's dive into packages and develop tools. The first one we have here is sanitizing and formatting data in PHP with the Transformer package. Transformer is a PHP package for sanitizing and formatting data powered by Laravel's validation components. The package uses a familiar Laravel validation-like syntax to transform data using callable functions, classes, and more. Those familiar with Laravel's validation API will notice that string-based transformer rules are used for this. And also, 
the package has chainable syntax. So you can do something like two underscore carbon arrow format colon m slash d slash y that can chain additional calls on a piece of data. You can also transform data using closures or classes implementing the provided transformable interface. And in addition, this package supports nested array data using dot notation, wildcard inputs, applying functions on keys using the wild, like, you know, people dot name, for example, and more. Definitely check this one out. So this is useful for, you know, taking a request object, for example, and transforming it into some, um, you know, transformed piece of data. Very useful. I like the, I like the use of um, the validation syntax as well. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of that. I tweeted about it the other day, actually, or retweeted someone I was tweeting about it. Don't, don't be afraid to kind of lean into the framework mm-hmm. um, yep. in terms of like validating anywhere and everywhere because that validation exception will bubble up. And, and you can get predictable, consistent output, whether that's in a HTTP request, whether that's in a, a JSON API, whether that's in, you know, an artisan command, like the, the validation stuff is, is like a first-class citizen. And so it's respected and used nicely throughout the thing. And if you need to do anything with it specifically, you can always throw that, um, those calls in a try catch and, and handle the, the validation exceptions yourself as well. So embrace the framework, I think is the key. And I think this package is going a long way to doing that, not only in the specific functionality, but but the way that the framework is built. Um, so definitely check that out if you're if you're wanting to do something like that. Yeah, I've I've used um, we we basically have a data normalizer class that we create uh, in a lot of our applications where we're having to take in and ingest data from like these legacy systems and sort of clean it up uh, and make it fit into a database column, uh, you know, typed database column, nice and neat. And so. We end up doing a lot of this. And one of the things that this package does well uh, is it allows you to basically compose these multiple functions, these multiple uh, transforms mm. into one, which is a little bit annoying with ours. Uh, what we end up doing a lot of times is we end up sort of like pulling it in and then aliasing it to a single letter so that you don't have to put like data normalizer, colon, colon, you know, trim, and then data normal inside of that data normalizer colon colon first name or you know yeah. this is like d colon colon whatever but this is still even cleaner than that so um and it looks like you know it's really easy to extend i think it comes with a couple items that are you know very common trim you see first only numbers two carbon that we talked about uh but then you can extend it and write your own data transformers as well so you can you know have a class that you have that implements the transformable interface and uh, use your own methods there uh, with a syntax that's really familiar to people who are used to working with Laravel. So pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. We've also got a package that is called Pad Signature. This one's written by uh, everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redman. And what this does is it requires a signature associated with an eloquent model, and then it will optionally generate a certified PDF. Um, So you may have needed someone to sign a agreement before or something like that. And I recently had to do this on a bunch of like insurance forms for some dental stuff for my kids or whatever. And it's sort of a joke if you ever have to do this online on like a laptop, because there's no easy way to really do, you know, you have to like use two fingers. You have to like click the mouse pad with one and then sort of like draw with the other finger. And it always ends up looking like a doctor signature, like it's just a big scribble, right? Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, if you've ever seen this, like on a, on your phone or something like that, it actually works pretty well because you just kind of draw on your screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is essentially, it almost looks like injects like a canvas object or something onto the page. And then you, you know, sign your signature and it'll capture that item and associate it with the model that you have there. 
Uh, and then, it, like I said before, it will also give you the ability to generate a PDF document with the signature by implementing the packages should generate signature document interface. So you can use a blade file or a PDF file as the basis for the signature document template. Uh, it's all documented in the readme for you me there or for you there. But once you have the package set up, you just include this blade component inside of your um, inside of your blade file, and it will uh, use the HTML needed to render the signature pad shown with any customizations that you have there, like you know classes or uh, what what should be the text of the submit button, et cetera, et cetera. So pretty cool package, and I actually can think of one place where I want to use this. The only thing for me on these is I'm always looking to like. I don't know. I'm not sure if there are some instances where you have to have a signature uh, instead of like them typing in their name or something. Because sometimes what Mm -hmm. I'll do is like if I already know kind of the name of the person, I'll just have them retype their name out Mm -hmm. just to sort of like as a confirmation. And then you have to have like this. like a digital Exactly. Because I'm not sure if that's actually easier for the user or if something like this is. I don't know. Depends probably on the age of your users as well. But in any case, it's an interesting package. If you were ever looking to implement it yourself, uh, this would be a really good, good package too to try and yeah. use i mean this. you know there's services like that like adobe sign now where like the signature is just like a, a cursive font mm-hmm. yeah right that you can set up so yeah. you know i i suppose it depends on the industry i know that there's there's some things here where like you can't you can't digitally sign like on a pdf you actually have to print the pdf physically sign it with a pen and paper scan it and then but then you can email it back but it oh, has isn't to that be so like, weird yeah exactly yeah there's some dumb stuff going around. We've got, know, yeah, we've the, got some these industries that just haven't caught up yet. Right. We've got some items that actually require quote unquote wet ink, right? You actually have mm-hmm. to, like you said, you have to print it out, sign it, but then you can't email it, but you has to actually be physically yeah, mailed. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is annoying. You'd think with COVID that they would have changed that, but some of the States didn't. They just, Nope. Still has to be wet yeah. ink. It's like, come on. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Next up here, we have the open AI PHP client, which is a supercharged PHP API client that allows you to interact with the open AI API. After weeks of development, this was launched by Nuno and uh, Gary Sandro. Who's Gary Sandro? Sandro, Gary. There you go. <laughs> um, so they've been working on this one together. A brief example from the packages readme is to basically call open AI colon colon client and then pass it your API key. And then you can do client arrow completions. And what is this doing? At the release of this post, OpenAI PHP client supports models, completions, edits, embeddings, files, fine-tunes, moderations, and moderations. OpenAI has a broad range of uses related to natural language processing, generating code from natural language, and more. To start using the OpenAI package, you need to familiarize yourself with the OpenAI platform. Definitely check out the OpenAPI docs and examples. If I sounded like I didn't know what I was talking about through any of that, it is because I didn't know what I was talking about through any of that. <laughs> well, until you get to the natural language processing part at the bottom, right? right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like uh, it seems like this is almost like uh, whatever that GitHub thing that was released. What was that? The way it was um, doing GitHub Copilot? Copilot. There you go, GitHub mm-hmm. Copilot. It seems like it's kind of doing something like that because it can use natural lang- pro- natural language processing to. The code completion, it almost looks like generating code mm. from natural language. So kind of interesting. Mm. Very interesting indeed. Yes. yes. Um, I'm sure Nuno, when, when he hears this, he'll, he'll tell me I, uh, what, it, what it's all about. Well, OpenAI, yeah. If you go to OpenAI, it says like OpenAI's mission is to ensure that artificial general intelligence benefits all of humanity. So they have, 
you know, it's basically here's a way that you can talk to a natural language processor. And now they've got a PHP SDK that Nuna has worked on to make it really easy to interface with their product, essentially. So if you've ever mm -hmm. needed to use OpenAI, this is a great OpenAI client that is written for PHP that you can now use mm -hmm. to do so. Um, I like this. You can translate natural language to code. So you could uh, you could type in some like natural language that says, great at MySQL query for all customers in Texas who have spent over $5,000 and it will return you Ooh, some cool. SQL. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, that's cool. I don't personally have any use for it, but um, there's always people doing cool stuff. You know, there's all of the um, Peter Levels has got like the the like the room generator, and he's got like the avatar generator now. Like people are playing around with this stuff. We've got what the diff from um, Beyond Code, which is the thing that the GitHub app that sits there and listens to your pull requests and then generates comments to kind of explain what what was changed in the in the PR. So. There's a lot of this stuff around at the moment. It'll be interesting to see where we get in the future. Um, yeah. People are definitely going to program themselves out of a job, I think. <laughs> I don't know. There's always going to be somebody that's going to need to program the machines, right? Got to yeah. Program, well, program until programs. they become self-aware. And then we won't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, and then we'll just be all, we'll be dead. Or they'll do, vaporized. or they'll do, uh, yeah, vaporized, or they'll do that, um, you know, basically a, I don't know. And a lot of these like sci-fi, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's other countries that actually do this, but they basically have, uh, it's like a welfare for everybody. They give the base income that everybody gets mm. just as a benefit of being UBI. alive. Yeah. 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 What, is it, what did you call it? Do you have a name for it? U UBI, universal basic income. Yeah, that's it. That's the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe that, that'll be what happens once we're, once we have AI running the world. Anyway, I yeah. digress. Okay. Laravel model flags package. So Laravel model flags is a package by guess who wouldn't be complete episode if we didn't have one of these packages. It is a package by Spassi to allow you to add flags to an eloquent model. What is a flag you might ask yourself? What is a flag? So a flag is I'm guessing what they're talking about is a feature flag, I believe. Um, but I actually as I'm looking at that, I don't think that's what it is. So let me let me read a bit more. So it's it's more like Hey, uh, has this particular thing happened or not? So, mm -hmm. um, this happens where I have a, let's say like I have this paperless form that somebody in our company submits and there's a bunch of different things that could happen to it. It could be approved. It could be denied. It could be completed. It could be deleted. It could be reviewed. It could be like, there's all of these different things. Right. And what happens, uh, right now, or what happened when we first created it was we had an approved and a denied at timestamp, right? Approved at denied at great. We're all set. And it was like, well, they need, what if they need to complete it? Okay, complete it at timestamp. Well, what if they need to like say, no, they're not going to complete it. Okay, okay, we have to add a deleted at timestamp. Well, what if they need to, okay, now we have to review that timestamp. So that's, that's annoying because you have to add a migration and you have to modify that mm -hmm. thing every single time. Whereas with this flags package, you don't have to do that because it's not on the, it's not on the record itself. It's an associated record that sits somewhere else, right? So then the cool thing about this is, so you can flag a user. You could say like, user has received welcome email or something like that, right? So you could say user flag has received welcome email. And then you could query for give me all users that have received the welcome email, right? Uh, so you don't have to have a has received welcome email flag or, you know, like item uh, column on your users table. You just say, hey, I wanted to find this new one. And now I'm going to be able to flag models with that. And then I can query for models that have or have not yet had this particular thing. Mm -hmm. So it makes it easy to change your mind or to add additional things that you want to uh, know about a particular uh, model, right? Okay, so with all that being said, let me kind of read through a little bit more 
of, of what it says here. The package has a has adds a has flags trait to eloquent models, enabling you to query models that are either flagged or not flagged. The trait includes relations, model scopes, and other methods for working with flags. The package also supports a configurable flag model if you want or need to override the default model that backs model flags. So as we just said a minute ago, it's associated with it in a separate table. If you needed to be able to get to the, all of those records, that's a flag model, but you can configure that yourself. You can easily build item potent or uh, restartable pieces of code. Uh, so they've got an example there. Yeah, and it also looks like you can in fact use it for things like rolling out new features to a subset of users, right? Which essentially mm -hmm. is like feature flags because you could flag a particular user that would say, allow them to have this experimental feature, right? So they've checked the box that says, yes, I want to opt into the early release of dark mode for Forge or whatever, you know? And so yeah. you could flag that user. Hey, if they have opted in, then go ahead and show them dark mode. If they haven't, then don't. And then on the release date, you just say everybody's opted in, right? So there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, really interesting, actually. I like it. Yeah, I, like I can think lot. of a few places like when I've had to like flag dormant accounts, you know, that I mean, there, oh, sure. there is the key right there, you know, flag dormant accounts. Well, is account dormant or something like that, you know, being able to do this in a in a generic way anywhere and just throw everything into this one table. Um, yeah, and depending nice. on how, depending on how many users you have and how, you know, often you're going to be putting things in here and whatever else, it, it could become quite a chunky table. Um, but definitely something that is going to get you a long way with very little effort as uh, as a lot of these sparsity packages are. So thanks very much to Flake and team for that. Um, two, two tutorials here. I'll, I'll just uh, go through them quickly because um, all Steve McDougall, McDougall tutorials are best read in your own leisure. The first one here we have is automating your open API documentation, which is something that I've actually looked to do I say recently, but you know, in the last six months, we've had to do this kind of stuff um, to document it. So this is using um, some configuration through um, a package called Scribe for Laravel um, and basically documenting your application using doc blocks and YAML configuration and like PHP doc annotations in your code. So definitely check that one out. Um, the other one we have, there's, there's a few of these around on the internet, um, but they're always popular and it's always good to like refresh the, the knowledge because there's always you, you know new people coming into programming there's new people coming to php 8 there's people you know looking to upgrade to php 8 because they've been snowed under with you know working applications in earlier versions of php and this one's talking you through modern php features explained which is covering both php 8 and 8.1 and um, talking about all the new things that have been introduced to the language constructor property promotion which is a favorite of mine union types named arguments match expressions using colon colon class on objects so before you'd have to use like get underscore class and things like that. Whereas now you can just have an instance of a class and go, you know, dollar class, colon, colon, class in the same way that you would use like class name, colon, colon, class or static, colon, colon, class, non-capturing catch blocks, which are useful. How many times have you written a try catch block where you've like put, put some like throwable functionality into a try catch. And then you've got this comment that's just like slash slash no op. And then, you know, PHP storm or your IDE squawks at you because you've got this unused variable there, but you can't not have that unused variable. So in PHP 8, the ability to have like try catch and then like invalid argument exception without, you know, assigning it to $E and then never using it. So that's really useful. Um, enums in PHP 8.1, as well as unpacking arrays, new 
being able to use like new and instantiate objects inside of your constructor declaration, um, read-only properties and uh, read-only classes as well, which I think is coming in PHP 8. Point. Is it in 8.1 or is it coming in 8.2? I don't know. Honestly, I think it's probably, let's see. Hmm. I think, I think, it might I think it's 8.1. No, I think it's 8.1. Well, read-only well, yeah, read classes you're saying are read-only properties? Read-only classes are coming in 8.2. Read-only okay. properties are in 8.1. Yep, um, yep. We've, got a, we've got a link to um, Brent, Brent Roos's um, blog, which talks about this as well. Um, things that are coming in PHP 8.2 as well, which is right around the corner now, be end of this month. So um, definitely check out this article. It, it's incredibly useful to you know keep abreast of the new stuff and to have all of this in, in one place is, is good as well. Um, I mean, like, that, that's I'm, it. I'm thankful for like the new PHP releases. They're super cool. But it seems like when we first started this, like PHP, I'm, I'm not complaining, just to be clear to everybody listening. I am not complaining. I am super stoked. However, does it not seem like PHP versions just to come out like every once in a long time, right? And now it's like, I feel like we just upgraded to eight. I'm now on getting, I'm like now like, okay, getting to 8.1 and 8.2 is getting released like next week. It's like, what the heck? So fast. Like everything's, everything's getting done so quickly, which is super cool. I mean, the thing is they're totally opt in. You know what I mean? Like if you want some yeah. of the new features, go grab them. It's not like it's going to break everything. It's not, you know, it's a, it's a dot I mean, release. It so. feels like that, but you know, they're on a 12-month release cycle now, so it, it's definitely a more regular cadence than it was back sure. in the, you know, PHP 5 days. Yep, yep. Um, but, you know, it's 12 months, so. And you, and you get two years of of security fixes and whatever else I think it is, so you're not you're not uh, unsafe unless you're like me and still on PHP 7.4. I might, you know, honestly, man, instead of like going from 8 to 8.1, I might just wait and jump straight to 8.2. Why? Yeah. Why? Why even bother? Like, it's just gonna go to. Yeah. It just go to eight two. You say that, and then before you know it, it's like, why go to eight two if I can just go to eight three? Because it'll be twelve <laughs> months down the road that you've kicked that can. No, because like we're ready. We're like, I was like, we need to get to eight dot one by the end of the year, and I'm like, well, maybe we'll just do eight dot two to the end of the year. All of our mm. stuff is up to Laravel nine now. We hit all of our Laravel nine mid shifts, and then it's like we got eight dot two is around the corner, so we'll just get to eight dot two in a second. Nice. Yep. So. There we go. All right, everybody. Hey, that is it. That is all of the stuff we have for episode 179. Thanks for listening to the show. If you liked the show, rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazing. A comment would be great too. Hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Ben, or at Laravel News. And if you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 179. All right, folks. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Bye.